everyone. I'm Heather from Heartlands Promain Library, and I'm here with Damon, Maeve, Stephanie, Eric, Grace, to talk about the best books we read in 2020. As you'll soon find out, we have a wide variety of different tastes and favorite genres ranging from romance, fantasy, and nonfiction to contemporary fiction, horror, and thrillers. And that's only scratching the surface of what we're going to tell you about today. We hope you end up reading some of these titles too and enjoy them just as much as we did. Let's get started. Grace, do you wanna share one of your favorites from this year? I do, Heather, thank you. <laughs> Um, I'm going to kick us off with romance, um, and the first one is sort of a cheat because I'm going to talk about Virgin River by Robin Carr. Um, that's the name of the first book in her series, but I did read all 17 of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is kind of about the whole series. Um, the Virgin River TV series on Netflix got me interested in this book series, and they're so heartwarming um, that I read all of them during COVID. I don't know about you guys, but I felt too stressed to go to a lot of heavy reading. Um, so the first book begins with a newly widowed nurse practitioner and midwife moving to a small town for a fresh start. When she arrives, it's not what she expected, but she manages to make a life for herself there anyway. And over the course of the series, you get to know all the locals and secondary characters. So once you get a few books in, it feels like coming back to a kind of friendly and familiar place. They're a little bit formulaic, but I actually really appreciated that during COVID, um, just to know the characters are gonna undergo X, Y, and Z, and there's a happy ending. So I would recommend the Virgin River series by Robin Carr if you're looking for the easy reading romance. That sounds awesome. And just like something I'm in the mood for as well. All right, so we are gonna move on to realistic and contemporary fiction. And Steph, do you have a book that you wanna share? Yeah, I read The Authenticity Project by Claire Pooley, and the reason that I picked it up in the first place was it was one of our book club books here uh, before everything was shut down with the pandemic, and so many of you guys liked it that I thought, well, I'm going to read it too, and I did really like the book a lot. It was quick to read. It was a good distraction. Um, there was angst. There was a bittersweet ending. Yes, it's a little predictable, but there were enough twists and turns thrown in in the plot that it kept you guessing to the very end. And I think it's a book that a lot of people would enjoy. Yeah, I also read uh, The Authenticity Project. This is Damon here. Um, I was leading the 2030 book club when we read that, and I could not believe how much I liked this book. It was cute. It was fun. Um, kind of had a Sisterhood of Traveling Pants vibe where there was like a shared kind of journal between the characters. Um, so yeah, definitely recommend that. It makes you feel good. It's a feel good read. I definitely have to check that one out too. Damon, do you have one that you'd like to share? I do. Um, so one of my favorite uh, realistic fiction reads I read this year is, I think from early 2010s, 2013, 2013 um, Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. And that's one that I picked up. I had read a bunch of other stuff written by Rainbow Rowell and really enjoyed her writing, um, but that was more of her fantasy stuff. So this one is about a new girl in town and coming to a new school 
and making friends with a very unexpected person in her life. Um, and it just, it was absolutely beautiful. There were some devastating twists in it, but it was one of the most gorgeous books I've uh, read in quite a while. Yeah, I really loved Eleanor and Park when I read it too. I've read most of Rainbow Rowell's books at this point, and I think that one might have been my favorite too. I actually agree, and I was surprised that it was my favorite because I loved um, the the Simon Snow books. Um, they were yeah. a lot of fun, so yeah. Definitely. So I actually read um, a contemporary book that I loved this year too, and it's also a YA book. It's called The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Um, it's a contemporary novel about this sophomore in high school who feels like she's constantly disappointing her family. Her twin brother is perfect in her estimation and never causes trouble, but trouble always seems to find her. X finds solace in writing, and when a poetry club starts at school, she considers joining, even if it means disappointing her parents. X was just a super relatable person for me, and I remember having really similar feelings to her as a teenager. Um, first love and first heartbreak were explored here, and my heart was just constantly aching for X, um, as nobody seemed to accept her for the person she was. And she felt as though she had to fight all of life's battles alone, even though she was constantly fighting for others. Acevedo has such a way with language, and I really enjoyed that she decided to write the story through poems, as it reflected X's interests so well. Um, Acevedo is quickly becoming one of my favorite authors too, um, and she writes with just so much feeling, honesty, and heart. After finishing this book, I actually ended up reading every other book Acevedo has written, and I absolutely love all of them. I agree. She is such a good author. Um, and the Paul X was super fun because it was written in verse, so it had that deep feel to it. Mm -hmm. I actually think I liked her other book though, um, With a Fire on High, even more. Because that one was all about food, and it just, it was gorgeous. And I think Maeve was going to say something here. I see her. Oh my gosh, yes. And I think technically that was published last year, and it made me so sad because I would have put that book on my list for this year if it had been published this year. Oh, but I totally had. That, I loved that book, too, with the fire and high. It's honestly hard to even pick a favorite book by her. Like, Clap When You Land was so good, too. Oh, yes, it was. Yep. So good. <laughs> Highly recommend. So Damon, did you also have another realistic fiction book that you want to talk about? Yeah, I actually have a couple more. I This seemed to be a pretty big category for me this year. Yeah. Um, if you can't tell by me chiming in on absolutely everything. <laughs> um, so uh, I finally got into some Jason Reynolds books this year. And the one that I super want to bring up is All American Boys. So um, a lot of people compare All American Boys to The Hate You Give which was a huge book written by Andy Thomas. It was huge a couple years ago. Um, I found this even more accessible than The Hate You Give. Um, it's told from alternating perspectives between two main characters. Um, one is black, one is white, and it really dives into um, like structural racism in our country and police brutality and all sorts of stuff. It is a heavy read, but it was written so well and like when I finished that book, I had to just like close it and just like sit there and let the tears run for a little while. It was so gorgeous. Yeah, I totally had the same reaction um, to All American Boys. It's so good. And unfortunately, it's so timely and relevant. 
Um, just a little aside, but I actually got to hear Jason Reynolds speak at one of our Michigan Library Association conferences a couple years ago, and it was everything. It was so good. He's just like a really accessible, like just cool, super laid back person too. It, he's awesome. Definitely check out Jason Reynolds. Agreed. Read anything by him. You'll be happy with what you read. Yeah, he has some great middle grade stuff out there too. I was very impressed. Yes, absolutely. So Damon, you said you had another favorite. I did. So um, for our Brew, Cup, Brew Pub Book Club first read, we read A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness. And that one was another realistic fiction. It had some mild fantasy elements to it. I still think I'd classify it as realistic fiction, um, but it's about a, a boy, it's a middle grade book. It's about a boy who, um, his mother has some disease that's not made clear until the end and dealing with his feelings on that and being in um, school and dealing with pre-adolescence feelings. Um, but he has this monstrous tree that comes and talks to him in the middle of the night at the same night every time and tells him stories. Um, and I just was blown away by the writing of this book. Had kind of a Pan's Labyrinth vibe to it where there are mystical stories being told that relate to what's really happening in real life. Um, and it had some really cool pictures in it as well. It wasn't quite a graphic novel, but there were a lot of pencil sketches of like the monster and it just, it was gorgeous. That sounds amazing. That one's definitely going on my list too. So Grace, did you have um, a fiction book that you want to tell us about? Yeah, um, and this one isn't, I wouldn't say it's precisely realistic fiction, but um, general contemporary fiction. It is called In an Instant by Susan Redfern. Um, and this is for readers who liked The Lovely Bones by Alice Siebold. Um, it's about several families who are traveling together on a snowy mountainside when a car accident changes everything, killing 16-year-old Finn, who is the narrator of the book. And so she's left watching over her family and friends as they struggle in the aftermath, um, including the ways that they're both turning on each other and supporting each other while they're waiting for help kind of stuck in the snow. Um, I picked this on a whim, I picked it up on a whim and it was so gripping, I just couldn't put it down. There were a few times when the writing felt a little bit clunky, but the story was so good. Um, and watching the ways that the different characters handled the tragedy um, that's kind of at the center of this book was so compelling. Um, so if you liked Lovely Bones, definitely give it a try. Oh, now I definitely want to read this one because I did like the Lovely Bones. Yeah, it is such a good book. I love that one too. All right, so we are going to move on to fantasy. And as you'll soon find out, that is one of our favorite genres at Chromine. <laughs> so Maeve, did you read any good fantasies this year? Yeah, I read a couple, um, but the one that I really, really enjoyed is um, Light Fantasy for Family. It's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang by Ian Fleming. So I grew up watching the movie, um, but I'd never read the book, so I picked it up this year. I listened to the audiobook, and it is just absolutely delightful if you want to share a story with the whole family. Um, it, so it centers on the Pot family. They buy an old racing car and it requires like a ton of work to fix up. Um, but once they renovate it, they end up, well, the car ends up naming itself Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, and they go on 
and it, since it's set in Britain, they call it holiday. So they went on holiday um, and they end up going on this huge adventure. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang takes on a gangster. They save the world. It's amazing. Um, but seriously, it was just so much fun. Um, and I listened to the audiobook, and that definitely enhanced the story. So I do recommend if you list, if you read it, listening to it, because that was just, just lovely. I've never read the book either, but I also loved the movie growing up. So I definitely have to check that one out too. What's really funny is I always kind of assumed that was a Western and know nothing about it because of the title, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I just assumed <laughs> it was like Cowboys with Guns or something. <laughs> well, it's totally fair. <laughs> Awesome. So I also read a fantasy book. Um, and this book, I think I might actually like more than Harry Potter, which is saying something because Harry Potter has been like a staple of my um, life since it started coming out. And the book is Nevermore, The, Tri the Trials of Morgan Crow by Jessica Townsend. Um, so it's about this girl named Morgan Crow, and she's a cursed child known for her ability to create misfortune wherever she goes. While she's having her last meal on the day she's slated to die, she's whisked off to Nevermore by a man called Jupiter North and goes on the adventure of a lifetime. I loved every wonderful page of this book. It was such a delight, and I had a smile on my face the whole time I was reading it. It's fast-paced, fun, magical. Um, it was totally cracking me up, too. It's, so it's really, really funny. And it is a perfect read-alike for Harry Potter fans or anyone who believes in magic. All right. So, Eric, did you read any good fantasy this year? I did. Um, I have two books that I'm counting as one because they were by the same author, released about two months apart. Um, it's the two newest Dresden File books, Peace Talks and Battleground. And for anyone who's not familiar, I think, I always forget if there are 17 or 18 books in the series now, but these were the last two. Um, and it kind of started out as an episodic series where each book was, so Harry Dresden is like the only wizard, uh, open wizard detective in Chicago. So the early books start out where each book is about one single case that he's trying to solve. So it's like a urban fantasy mystery. Um, and then it turns out, I think, secretly, the author didn't plan on any of this becoming so successful. So it becomes this giant overarching narrative at some point. And this is, these last two books were the start of what feels like it's probably going to be like the final battle between good and evil. Um, the character is just so much fun. He's like really darkly sarcastic and his nerdly interests greatly align with my own. So it's like reading about myself if I was six foot nine and a cool wizard in Chicago, which I am none of those things. That sounds epic. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, um, Maeve, did you have another fantasy novel? I do. So this one is totally different than Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, it's called Children of Blood and Bone, and it's the first book in the Legacy of Orisha series. And this one is by Tomi Adayemi. Um, and this one is set in a world where um, there are people called magi who have magical abilities, um, and then everyone else who doesn't. Um, and unfortunately, um, the ruler of this world um, is, is interested in... Um, 
eliminating magic from this world. Um, so he, um, he killed a lot of um, magi, but there were some people who were able to survive. And one of those people was Zeli. Um, and she is trying to a survive in a world where um, people don't want her, um, but also she's trying to um, take down the um, monarchy so that people can live in harmony. Um, so it's adventure, there's action, um, there's just some great characters that you really relate to. Um, and I mean, it is just so well written, the language is beautiful, and it's just a it's a it's amazing world building too. So it's just a great fantasy all around. This has been on my list for forever, so I'm gonna need to bump that up and read it soon. Yes, you do. And I mean, I feel terrible because I haven't read the second book yet, but I've been meaning to do that for the longest time. So that's probably my my plan for 2021 is to read the second book in the series. I highly recommend listening to Children of Blood and Bone on audio as well. So good. So good. Yeah, I loved that one too. It was um, the magic that really stood out. Like, I just love the way the author um, just incorporated the magic into it. Such a good book. So glad you picked it. <laughs> um, Eric, do you have another one that you'd like to share? I do. Um, I'm just recommending the Iron Druid Chronicles uh, in general. So I found this one because I finished the Dresden Files and I forgot my book at home one day and I was like, well, I'll see what Cromaine has that's like kind of Dresden-esque. And this came up in, I don't know if it was Novelist or on Reddit or something like, if you like the Dresden Files, you might like this. And I do. Um, it's tonally very similar, like the dark sarcasm. The main character is Atticus O'Sullivan, and he is the last druid on Earth. He's 2,000 years old, but he looks and acts like he's 20. Um, it's really fun, especially if you like, I'm, I'm pretty big into mythology, so it covers all of the pantheons are active in this world from Romans to obviously the old Celts and the Norse mythology, and it brings in a lot of different characters from those pantheons that are interacting with this guy who just wants to sit in his herbal tea shop, um, but nobody seems to want to let him because he's the last druid. So I recommend all of those. That sounds awesome. Damon, do you have another one that you'd like to recommend? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, so I finally got around to reading the Stormlight Archive series by Brandon Sanderson. Sanderson has long been my favorite author, um, by and large, but the Stormlight Archive series is a bit daunting to get into just because of its sheer size on the shelf. Like, each book is over a thousand pages long. Um, but, so it is epic fantasy, and oh, it is some of the best world building I have ever read in a book. Like, the entire world is, like, this beautiful, magical place where even down to, like, the rocks, he makes different and unique in his world. Um, it's all about uh, political conflict and war and magic coming back after centuries of being away. Um, and I don't want to reveal too much because you need to read it. But it is, yeah, it's, it, it's epic. That's all I can say about it. I've read these. I haven't read the new one that just came out, I think, last month. But I've read this series, too. And it's really so, so, so good. If you're a fan of epic fantasy, you will enjoy the Stormlight Archives. 
I'm definitely going to have to add that one. Um, one of the things I love about Sanderson is all of his worlds are so like unique too. Like, I don't know where he comes up with this stuff, but it's amazing. Love. Yeah. Sanderson. And he connects all of them too. Like he has all of his, well, most of his books are in what he calls his Cosmere, which is his universe. And mm -hmm. so you see connections between all of them. And Stormlight is the series that kind of ties them all together. So there's a lot of crossovers between the other books and it's just, it, it's super cool. That's awesome. All right, so we're gonna kind of stick with fantasy-ish, um, but we're gonna move into graphic novels. So Eric, did you have a favorite graphic novel? Yeah, this one was actually uh, recommended to me by Damon. He came up to the reference desk one day and was like, I think you'll love this, here, read it. And I read all nine issues that are currently out of Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Any way I try to describe this is gonna pale in comparison and be totally inadequate for what it is. But I guess essentially it's kind of a love story of a family on the run during an eternal war. Um, it's so poignantly written and I would liken it in some ways, not so much thematically or tonally to like a Game of Thrones where you fall in love with these characters because they're so well written and developed but it's a tragedy. So they're not gonna be necessarily with you for the entire run of the series or even more than a book or two sometimes. But when they go away, it's an emotional moment and it's gonna stick with you. And there's so much that's relevant to today's world, even though I'm pretty sure there are no normal humans in it because it is like a space sci-fi fantasy. Um, but there's so much that's relevant to our world today without coming across as like browbeating on social issues or it definitely makes you think about those things, but it's not over the top or in your face about it necessarily. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. And I can't wait to read more of it. Come on, Eric. Are there really, really any normal humans out there? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a fair point. <laughs> I would just add, if you go into read Saga, go in preparing for your heart to be ripped out because it will be repeatedly into many million pieces. Yeah, um, there are also, a lot of red wedding moments. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> also, I would not leave this table, uh, this book out on the table where your kids can get a hold of it. It is definitely not safe for work. Yeah, it is a graphic novel, but I think it's time to put to bed the myth that graphic novels are like somehow for kids or can't have adult content. And this is chock full of adult content. So beware. Yes, it is magnificent. Um, Brian K. Vaughn is a fantastic gra graphic author, blah, blah, graphic novel author. Um, his other series, Paper Girls, is also great. Um, that one I would like in kind of to Stranger Things um, has kind of that vibe to it bunch of girls go on a journey together and try to save the world and yeah it's really cool um for graphic novels i also read the boy the mole the fox and the horse um i don't know if graphic novel is technically the right classification for this or picture book or i don't even know how to describe this book but um it has very strong winnie the pooh vibes to it a lot of the pages in this are like absolutely beautiful watercolor art with um like a single or two sentences on them and there's not so much a story running through it more feel good things that happen on each page um but it's one of those that i want to blow some of these pages up and have them on my wall because they're just absolutely gorgeous um one of my favorite pages in the book is 
just the boy and the mole sitting on a tree branch. And the mole says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the boy just responds, kind. And so it's just, it's really, really beautiful. Um, highly recommend it. I mean, you can sit down and read it in a half hour and then uh, read a couple more hours just staring at the artwork for how beautiful it is. That sounds amazing. All right, so we're gonna take it into a completely different direction. Um, and we're going to go to science fiction and dystopia. Um, Stephanie, did you read any good science fiction or dystopias this year? I did. I read The Testament, which is The Handmaid's Tale number two by Margaret Atwood. And I have been a huge fan of Margaret Atwood since the early 90s. Um, I read The Handmaid's Tale. I actually wrote a master's thesis on The Handmaid's Tale. So totally love this book, was totally into it. So this was um, a lot of hype for me, The Testament, and it did not disappoint. Um, the Handmaid's Tale, which I would describe as eerie, like it was so, it was eerie, it was hard to imagine. The Testament um, so, close, so closely mirrors the reality of today that many were wondering if it was prophetic. And it was disturbing. It was essentially the same story told two different ways. And I just found it fascinating. I was not disappointed at all in it. And I highly recommend that you read it if you read The Handmaid's Tale or if you've even watched it on Hulu and you're into the story. Definitely read The Testaments as well. Margaret Atwood has been one of my favorite authors for years too, and I also loved this one. Um, I found it very interesting, in particular getting into Aunt Lydia's head. That was, that was yes. something else. <laughs> yes, it was, because yeah, I mean, it was like she was a completely different character in this book because yes. of the way that she explored her. So definitely good to read. Yeah. So Maeve, did you also read a uh, science fiction or dystopia this year? I sure did. Um, so one of the sci-fi's dystopia that I read was Scythe by Neil Shusterman. Um, so this one is another book where the world building was just amazing. Um, so it's set in the future where um, human civilization has eliminated world hunger, disease, war, um, and they've kind of managed to find a way to outlive death as well. So in order to keep um, like the human population from uh, like going out of control, um, they have people called scythes who basically um, kill people um, to keep the population in check. It's a really weird premise, um, but I promise you it is an amazing book. Um, so it follows two apprentice size, Citra and Rowan, um, and they are apprenticed to one scythe, um, and they each learn all about um, kind of like the philosophy behind what they're doing. They learn the history about it, and they also learn different ways to administer death. Um, so there ends up being um, some friction and some conflict between another scythe. Um, and it really gets at like what, um, like what the importance of humanity is and um, kind of gets at, even though like these scythes are doing kind of this really terrible thing, you can be really humane and kind about it. Um, so I thought that was a really, a really nice message and an otherwise kind of like creepy story. Um, but again, 
There were some like twists and turns that kept me hooked the whole way. And again, Schusterman is great at making these incredible worlds. So I loved it. Scythe is so good. Oh my goodness. I absolutely loved it as well. And I'm so glad you brought that one up, Maeve. Um, it is also part of the trilogy. And so I have a confession on that. The third book came out, uh, I think about a year ago. And I had put it on hold at the library and I was so excited for the day it came out to be able to start reading that third book because I had been waiting for it to come out. And then it didn't come in delivery on the day that it was due to come in. So I ended up purchasing it on Kindle because I just could not wait any longer and I had to read that third book. Um, definitely highly, highly recommend it. I agree, it sounds like a very bizarre premise, but it, it fleshes out so well. Yeah, I loved that one too. So that's person number three who says, yes, definitely read this book. Um, one of the things that I love about Schusterman um, is he always presents you with kind of like a moral dilemma, but it's not heavy handed the way he does it. Um, it's just something that you kind of ponder and flesh out like over the book and um, just so good. Highly recommend it too. All right, um, Stephanie, did you have another science fiction slash dystopia that you read this year that you loved? Yes, I did. And this time it wasn't a sequel. It was a prequel to the um, Hunger Games trilogy. It was uh, the book, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. And again, I went into this with high expectations because I really did love the Hunger Games trilogy. Um, not all three books equally, but as a whole, I liked the series. So I went into this one with high expectations and was a little disappointed in the first third of the book. Uh, it follows 18-year-old Corey Elena Snow as a student. He's appointed to be a mentor to a tribute for the 10th annual Hunger Games. And for me, it was just really slow to start. It was a lot of the bulk of what happens uh, in the Hunger Games, but not a lot of character development. Um, but by the midpoint, the characters, uh, her writing, the characterization became a lot more interesting. The characters became more engaging. And I found myself really wanting to know more, even though supposedly we already know the ending, what happens, uh, you really don't. So I did get sucked in and was glad that I read it through to the end. I love the Hunger Games. I really need to read that book soon. <laughs> Right. I'm glad to hear that it was good because I was a little worried it was more of a money grab to publish another book in that successful series. So I, I'll put that back on my list. Yeah, it's one of those books. You know, I had a teacher that always told me, you have to read the first hundred pages of every book. And I was always like, ugh. But this is one of those books where that's totally the case. Get to the first hundred pages and then you'll want to stick it out. All right, so sticking with just the science in science fiction, um, Eric, did you read any good um, nonfiction science books this year? I do. I have to read some science to kind of balance out all the fantasy and sci-fi I read to get some real hard science. So I read What If? Serious Scientific Answers to Absurd Hypothetical Questions by Randall Monroe. Um, if you read XKCD, that is the author of that webcomic. So you kind of know what to expect here. He actually, I didn't know this before reading the book, um, but he has a degree in physics and he worked for NASA for years before 
pursuing his webcomics full-time. Uh, it's darkly sarcastic, but science-based answers to ridiculous questions like, how many Lego bricks would it take to build a bridge from London to New York, and is it even possible? Um, is it possible to build a jetpack using downward-firing machine guns? And all the important science questions that we really need to know the answers to. So he uses his background in physics to actually like research these answers and provide really shockingly detailed and scientifically based answers to all of these hilarious questions. Um, I just thought it was really fun and interesting at the end of the day to read like the physics between what would happen if all the lightning in one storm struck in a single spot, things like that. So I read that webcomic xkcd i had no idea that um the author also has a book i totally need to check it out this sounds so awesome yeah i listened to it on audiobook and it's narrated by will wheaton of oh, star cool. trek fame and the big bang theory and he just does a really great job of like putting a funny sarcastic personality spin on it as well so cool all right so we are going to talk about historical fiction. And Stephanie, I know you're a really big fan of historical fiction. Did you read any good ones this year? Yes, that seems to be the genre that I read a lot of. And one that I read this year was Hitting a Straight Leg with a Crooked Stick by Zora Neale Hurston. And it was a treasure, a treasure of short stories from a very gifted storyteller. Uh, she's a master of weaving the subtle lessons of race, gender, and class into entertaining stories. Uh, she's able to explore those serious topics using humor and realism, especially through the character's speech, which she called the idiom, not the dialect of the Negro. Um, if anything, uh, give yourself a few tries to understand it if you don't pick up on it right away. I, as the literary nerd that I am, enjoyed her use of irony and foreshadowing and allegory in the short stories. And her themes transcended location, whether they were in the rural setting of Eatonville or the urban streets of Harlem, the issues her characters experienced were the same. Um, so definitely uh, give them a shot. That sounds so good. I definitely have to add that one to my list. Did you have another one that you wanted to talk about? I do. So this was our um, Livingston Reads 2020 book, uh, The All-Girl Filling Station's Last Reunion by Fanny Flagg. Always been a huge fan of Fanny Flagg. She's just a funny lady. And I always try to read whatever our, you know, big read, Livingston Reads books are. And I went into this one with not high expectations, but I truly did end up loving the book. Um, it was a fun read. I loved the way she was able to connect the past and the present uh, throughout the book. She was able to connect stories of multi-generational people. And if you're just looking for some entertaining reading, nothing too heavy, but some good um, history in it, definitely pick this book up. That sounds like a really good one too. So I also have a historical fiction novel that I loved this year and it's called Echo by Pam Muniz Ryan. Um, it's told from the perspective of an orphan, a boy in Nazi Germany, and a girl in the US. Um, it's a World War II story with a surprising link um, to all of the characters. This book was amazing, and it gave me the same feelings as those that I had when I read The Book Thief um, several years ago. 
Ryan did an incredible job of really bringing the reader into the era she wrote about, and things were addressed in a really age-appropriate way for young readers, too. Um, I highly recommend this one, especially if you like reading about um, World War II and that sort of thing. I second this. It was so beautifully written, and um, if you listen to the audiobook, they have some like musical accompaniment that is also oh. beautiful. Now I feel like I need to check out the audio. <laughs> All right, um, so we're going to head into nonfiction biographies now. And Maeve, did you have one you read that you really enjoyed this year? Yeah, uh, enjoy is like a weird term to use for this book. Um, so I read Night by Eli Wiesel, um, and that is a nonfiction biography of um, his experience as um, a prisoner in the Auschwitz concentration camp. Um, and then also I think he was transported to um, Buchenwald. So um, yeah, it was, um, I listened to a lot of audiobooks and this was one that I listened to audiobook and I cannot tell you the amount of times that I literally had to pull over in my car to like stop crying. Um, I mean, it was, like haunting descriptions of his experience during World War II in those concentration camps. Um, but also really powerful because I think, um, I think, I, I mean, it was really, really terrible, but I think he ultimately had this um, like hopeful note towards the end of it that I really, really appreciated. Um, but yeah, it is very serious. Um, I thought it was very powerful. Um, but again, it was get ready to like have, I think Damon mentioned earlier in one of the books that he read, he likes was done reading it and then had to sit and just think about it for a while. This was definitely one of those. Yeah, um, I loved that book too. It was so moving. Um, I have another one that's kind of a sad one that I read this year, um, but I also loved it. And it's called When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanick. Kalanithi. Sorry if I mispronounced that name. Um, so it's about this neurosurgeon named Paul Kalanithi, and at age 36, um, he was at the tail end of completing his training to become a neurosurgeon, but was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He was determined to finish this book before he passed away, and while he was unable to complete it, it was um, just still so absolutely powerful, even though it was shorter than he had intended it to be. Um, he was such a gifted writer, in addition to being really gifted in his field. And this book is just so well written, and it really gets you into the mind um, of someone who received a terminal medical diagnosis. And I particularly enjoyed that this was written by a neurosurgeon, as he found out firsthand how critical it is for medical professionals to extend kindness, empathy, and compassion to their patients. Um, my heart just absolutely aches for his family, but if you want to sit and have a good cry, I highly recommend this one too. All right, so we are gonna, again, move into a, a different direction where it's not just all sadness. Um, and we're gonna talk about some thrillers. And um, Stephanie, I know you like reading thrillers too. Did you have a good one this year? I did, and actually I don't read a lot of thrillers. I don't read a lot of mystery. But I had heard um, so many people talking about this book, um, especially because it's a Michigan author. So the March, came, the Mar 
Marsh King's Daughter by Karen Dion. Um, I thought I would pick it up and read it. And it was like an onion. The story of Helena, a wife, a mother, and a jam maker who was purportedly living a simple life in the UP of Michigan. Uh, her, her story is revealed layer by layer and is anything but normal. Uh, the novel is definitely a thrill ride, wavers between two very different times in her life. It's a cat and mouse game when her father escapes from prison and she's forced to face her past and once again overpower his control to live her own life in the future. So it is a thriller and I highly recommend. Yeah, it was so good. I, I will second that. Um, and she also had uh, a new book, The Wicked Sister, that came out this past year, which was also great, especially if you like reading about Michigan. Super good. So I actually have a thriller this year too, which is also a surprise for me because I don't normally read thrillers either. Um, and it's called Verity by Colleen Hoover. And this book is absolutely bonkers. That's like the best way to describe this book. Um, if you're not familiar with it, I'll give you just a really brief summary. Um, when a prolific author gets into a terrible accident, her husband decides her series of books need to be finished and asks another author who isn't as well known to take on the task. And her name is Lowen. Um, Lowen is very reluctant to do this, but um, Jeremy convinces her. So she goes to their house to get the things she needs to finish the series. While there, she finds a manuscript the author Verity wrote that chronicles absolutely awful things. And when she reads it, all Lowen wants to do is escape. Um, this book was super wild and intense. And the best way I can describe it is if you combined Misery by Stephen King with Gone Girl. Um, Verity was super unlikable and getting into her head was terrifying. Um, I loved watching the relationship develop between Lowe and Jeremy though. Um, and I also just really loved the unreliable narrator. That's just something I really like in books though. Um, this was absolutely heart pounding. It was a page turner with no clear answers. Um, I did enjoy other books more this year, but this one um, led into a newfound obsession with Colleen Hoover for me. And I've read like so many of her books this year. So if you feel like being terrified, um, definitely check out Verity. And Grace, I know you read a lot of thrillers. Did you have um, a good one this year? I do. I read a ton of thrillers, mystery, horror. My reading tastes are, are pretty dark in general. So um, JP Delaney wrote a book called Playing Nice um, that was published this past year. Um, and he's one of my favorite thriller authors. So this is a psychological thriller. Two sets of parents discovered their two-year-old children were switched at birth. So they not only have to come to terms with what's happened um, and, and try to decide how they're possibly gonna proceed from this, but um, one set of parents is also keeping some secrets, some dangerous secrets from the other family. Um, I can't really describe too much more about it without, without giving some important threads away, but J.P. Delaney impeccably crafts twists and turns, and this book is no exception. He delves deep into how this unimaginable circumstance might really play out um, and makes a pretty far-fetched scenario seem possible. It's a well-layered plot um, and effective integration of 
legal document, like legal proceedings um, into the narrative made this one really impossible to put down. Oh, that sounds awesome. And now we're heading into another favorite genre of yours, um, which is horror. Did you read any good horror um, books this year? Unmute, sorry. <laughs> I did. I read The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Um, this is the best horror I've read in a really long time. So at the center of the novel is a group of women. They're very different people who initially come together over their shared enjoyment of true crime books, um, but they come to be a support system for one another and, of course, amateur vampire hunters. Um, it sounds so silly, but it really was the best horror I've read in a super long time. I didn't know how the elements named in the title were, were going to come together, but they absolutely did, and it was delightful and terrifying. It had humor, truly, truly scary moments, um, as well as some commentary about gender, race, and class, and I could not put it down. I wanted to read this one based only on the title because it just sounds like so many disparate things crammed into one book that I pretty much have to read it. Yeah, I read that one earlier this year too, um, and I will never be the same. I'll never <laughs> be able to get the images of rats eating someone's face out of my mind. Um, <laughs> so if you are looking for some good horror, definitely check out um, Grady Hendrix. So good. If, if you're squeamish, don't read it. Agreed. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually just finished Horror Store by her and it's basically like they're in an Ikea and there's just stuff going down and that's another I'll never see Ikea the same. So thank you very much for that, um, Grady Hendrix. <laughs> I, appreciate I, listened, it. I listened to that on Audible and it was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're a weirdo like me, it's fun. Yeah. But maybe it's horrifying to people. I don't know. I thought it was really funny, like the interludes of the fake Ikea commercials were so good. And it was narrated by Bronson Pinchot, those parts. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's the guy from, what is it, Perfect Strangers in the 80s sitcom. So that was like super entertaining to hear him do that. Yes, entertaining for sure. <laughs> um, Maeve, did you have an awesome horror book that you read this year? Yeah, so um, I read Bird Box by Josh Mallerman. And this one is set in Michigan, which I thought was really cool. Um, but basically it's about um, Mallory, who is young, single and pregnant and living with her sister. When um, people start seeing these creatures and if they see the creature, they're driven mad and they end up um, like brutally killing others and killing themselves. So the idea is that you can stay safe if you stay inside your house. And if you do not, you have to like cover your windows because even if you see them through glass, um, you can still um, be affected by it. So um, at first the two sisters are kind of skeptical about it until um, Mallory comes home and finds out that Shannon has killed herself after seeing one of the creatures outside. So. Mallory, obviously pregnant at this point. Um, she remembers seeing like a safe home mentioned in the newspaper. So she travels there and there she meets a couple other people um, and they 
they kind of have to overcome their fear about allowing strangers in and like working together because um, there's nobody actually knows what the creature looks like. So there's a lot of um, kind of fear about others that, you know, haven't been living in the house already. So it is definitely um, a horror when, I mean, like there's people going, like being affected by, um, by these creatures. You don't really ever know what the creatures look like. So you kind of have your imagination to fill in. And I sometimes think what we can think of is always a little scarier than what the author can describe, but it is really just a, a chilling tale um, that comments on like humans' fears, especially in, in these kind of intense times. Um, and I also really liked that um, the story is kind of told in two different times. So that was, it, the way that they were woven together was really amazing too. It sounds so good. So we're going to close it out with mystery and grace. Did you have any favorite mysteries this year? I did. Um, I read The Silent Wife by Karen Slaughter. This is the 10th book in the Will Trent series. Um, it's one of my favorite series, though fair warning, her books usually feature very violent crimes and graphic descriptions. So if it bothers you, I'd skip it. Um, the events of this book kick off with a prison inmate claiming he was framed for a violent attack. And Will Trent has to tread lightly to investigate because the crime in question happened 10 years ago and is intertwined both with his personal life and with the legacy of a now dead police chief hero. Um, this book impressed me so much because it alternated between the past and present tying together a current case from the Will Trent series and an older case from Karen Slaughter's Grant County series. So I was really impressed how she interwove the characters we know from both keeping true to who they are and the events she describes while revealing new information as well. Um, and I listened to this one on audio and was really impressed um, by the narrator Kathleen Early. She has narrated all the books in both the Grant County and Will Trent series and it was incredible to me that for this book, she not only captured the Will Trent cast of characters, but resurrected the voice of many of the Grant County characters, you know, 13 years after the series ended and she had recorded all these things, juggled them totally seamlessly and um, nailed the delivery really consistently with how they were voiced in previous installments. So I was impressed all around. Awesome. So I don't know about all of you, but my to be read list definitely just got a whole lot bigger. Um, I'll absolutely be checking out so many of these titles mentioned, and we hope that you will too. You can reserve any titles through our catalog, which you can access from our website, chromaine.org. If you have any trouble, give us a call at 810-632-5200. You can also ask us for even more recommendations by email. Use adults at cremaine.org to get more recommendations from our adult department and youth and teen at cremaine.org to get recommendations for everyone under the age of 18. So happy reading everybody.